0: This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Heavenly Father, we are thankful tonight. We love you and we pray, Lord, for your guidance here. Lord, as always, we ask that You grant understanding of Your Word and pray that You uh, lead us and direct us in this study. Please enable me to uh, deliver the message You would have delivered here. Lord, uh, make us all attentive to Your Word so that we may better grasp and live out Your will for Your glory. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 4, just the first few verses here, um, actually through 6, verses 1 through 6. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer." If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Amen. Well, a little quick background. remember what we've been talking about here. If you go back for just a moment to uh chapter three, verse fifteen, and remember we we have been pointing out that this is kind of the key verse where Paul's explaining why he's Writing, uh, so here's the, uh, the reason for his writing. I write, verse 15, but I, if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. All right, we spent a great deal of time on that, but just re- re- real quick recap. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself, that is how you ought to act. In the household of God, when it says that phrase "house of God," is talking about the. We, we could paraphrase it this way: the family of God. It's, it means household, the household of God, which is. So he here's a definition. What's the household of God? The household of God is the church, the, the the called out ones, the congregation. The congregation. Good translation. In fact, that's the way that uh, William Tyndale. Translated it when he translated the uh, Bible into English. Uh, That word, ekklesia, um, congregation. So, The congregation of the living God. So we talked about the word ekklesia, meaning the called out ones. Uh, That's why we say congregation. We're gathered together. Um, And we're the congregation that belongs to the living God. And then he describes the church as the pillar of, or the congregation as the pillar and ground of the truth. And we talked about that. Our 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 fellowship, our ministry is all to be truth centered. The church is all about truth, what we're what we're here for. Church is all about the truth. And then he gives some description of that. Verse sixteen. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. And, of course, all of that is uh, is talking about the, the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, you could, again, just paraphrasing for for, uh, for understanding, you could say Jesus was manifested in the flesh. That's who it's talking about. God was manifested in the flesh. Jesus was justified in the spirit, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So the truth that the church is all about is Jesus. The truth that the church holds forth um, for the world to, uh, to to know. I mean, that's that's our 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 mission is. Um, to get the word out so that others may know the truth. It's, it is, uh, again, Christocentric. That is, Christ centered. So, Paul is saying, I'm writing to you so that you may know how to act as the household of God, which is the congregation of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And here's the truth God was manifested in the flesh in flesh, justified in spirit, seen by angels, preached among Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Now, verse 1, chapter 4, Now, the Spirit expressly says, so Paul, Paul's been saying, we're, we're all about the truth, and here's the truth, it's all Christ-centered, but there's going to be problems. <laughs> the Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. And again, last uh, time we pointed out, um, that's, that's again another way of saying the truth. I mean, he's talking about the, the Christian faith here, our belief system, uh, what, what we believe, um, the message that we believe. So he's talking about the truth. Some will depart from the faith, meaning, again, they'll, they'll depart from the truth. And, and uh, some literally uh, walk away from the congregation. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's interesting wording, isn't it? Um, uh, immediately, what probably what comes to mind is you start thinking about, well, well, what? What do you start thinking about when you hear that, that kind of terminology? Some will give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Do, do you picture devil worshippers or or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it kind of conjures up those kind of pictures, at least it does in my mind, but That's right. Fear. They're there. They're there. They're real. But it's not all that blatant like the like the uh satan uh some of the satanic worship that you uh that you hear about or the you know the, the cults the pagan paganism i mean some of that stuff is 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 really really blatant right i remember years ago um, I rented a video which best i can call recall was was very good it's been a long time since i've seen it but if, if you if you uh you know if you're interested in music and you want to watch it uh I'd recommend it it's, it's uh the name of it is Hell's Bells, and uh, that's you know of course taken from the ACDC dc song. Uh, they're borrowing that title from the ACDC song, Hell's Bells, but it's it's one of these um, videos where they, uh, they kind of talk to you about. I, I don't want to m- make it sound it, it's it's done well, but it's they're they're talking to you about the bad stuff in in rock and roll music. Now they don't overdo it. It's not one of these crazy ones where they just uh, go way too far, but but mostly what they focus in on is this really really blatant stuff that most people don't uh, eh, most people don't listen to anyway. In fact, a lot of it's called underground for that reason because they don't they don't play it in most of the airways. A lot of it is blatantly anti-Christian, you know, anti-God. Of course, some of the stuff they play on the airways is is uh, is along those lines too. But at any rate, um, so. They're, they're going through here, and it was a lot of good information. And, uh, and like I say, I think uh, eye-opening to some extent. But, you know, I was thinking when I was watching it and, and, uh, and all, the really, really subtle stuff to me is more dangerous. I mean, there, there's stuff out there that's, that's just as demonic, um, but it, you don't recognize it as such. That's why the scripture says Satan comes as a as an angel of light. You know he does he doesn't come. Uh, he he like us to think you know he's got a little pointy tail and pointy ears and a pitchfork and all that kind of thing or or that he's some hideous looking monster. But that's 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 not how he comes. And he's not going to deceive anybody like that. Um, and and the way he works is through deception. So I'm saying all that to say this: I think what Paul is describing here is is not so much. In fact, we're going to see as we go on, but not so much like really like paganism, like cult stuff. He's talking about stuff that looks good, looks very religious. It is very religious, and it's very enticing. It looks holy, righteous, yet he calls it uh, the product of deceiving spirits, and he calls it doctrines of demons. And getting back to the music for just a moment, there was the, the, this was all years ago, and there was a song pretty current at the time. And I'm, you know, watching all of this stuff about um, all the rock music, and it, it was it was rough stuff, but. Some country songs came to my mind uh, that were, at least I would think, probably ten times worse. And they get all kinds of airplay. Um, One of them that that, uh, at the time that came to mind was this song that was really popular that George Strait had out called A Father's Love. Um, Because the message of that song was universalism. It was basically you live how... Ever you want to live, and don't worry about it. God will accept you in the end. Um, That, to me, is far more dangerous than uh, some of these guys that are blatantly cursing God. And and you know, I mean, because their message is is easy to recognize. Yeah, and some of some of it's pretty pretty dang. And there was other other songs that came to my mind. The Oak Ridge Boys years ago had one called Come On In. And it was the same it was preaching universalism. Come on. In fact the word I remember the words to that one. Come it was supposed to be God speaking. And he says to this man when he dies, Come on in, you did the best that you can do. There's a little bit of right in every wrong, and there's a little bit of me in you. Now that's heresy. But um, people hear those songs, and they think they're Christian songs, especially since uh, a group that was a formerly a gospel group <laughs> does them. So it's very subtle, very subtle. Well, again, I just, I just say all that. I'm not trying to be... Uh, uh, Slamming music here, um, popular music, but I'm just pointing out that what Paul is talking about is, is like that. It's, it's, it's subtle stuff. It's not, um, it's, it's not some kind of blatant paganism, yet he says that it's doctrines of demons. He's contrasting it with the truth that he's just been talking about and, and showing that this is a lie. And then he gives some examples Um, Verse 2. Well, he just gives a couple here, and he spends most of the time on the food part. But verse 2. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, We talked about that some last week. But again, uh, the picture here is that they are uh, deceived and they're deceiving. You know, they're deceiving people. They they themselves, um, these ones who are giving heed to deceiving spirits, they themselves are speaking lies in hypocrisy. That is, they are hypocritical liars having their own conscience seared. Their own conscience is, is numb you know, because they have uh, uh, bought into deception. And they've, they've uh, just kind of suppressed the truth like we talked about last week to the extent that they've managed to dull their own conscience Carterized is the word seared here, seared with a hot iron. So the word, Greek word from which we get our word cauterized. Um, so they're, they're hypocritical liars having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. And he's, ta- he's talking about false teachers here. In verse 3, here, here's a couple of examples of their teaching. Forbidding to marry... And commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, real quick point out there, he says, notice, he says, these are in reference to the food, that they want you to abstain from foods that should be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So he's again contrasting those who know the truth with those who are giving heed to deceiving spirits and are hypocritical liars. All right, a couple of examples. Forbidding to marry and, abstain and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. Now, we don't know the, all of the teaching of these uh, false teachers. He, does, he doesn't let us in on their whole... He doesn't tell us their whole scheme, you know, what, what they were up to. Here, here are just a couple of uh, examples that he cites and from other writings, uh, uh, other parts of the book, we we get ideas uh, about what they were about. Um, The Spirit expressly says in the latter times, these things are going to happen. Well, we're in the last days because, according to the Scripture, the last days started when Jesus... Uh, Well, at the day of Pentecost, when Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and then at the day of Pentecost when God poured out His Spirit upon all flesh. That's the beginning of the last days, and we're still in them. And obviously, even though Paul says, uh, the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, it's almost like he's looking distant in the future, yet he gives us a couple of examples of it going on. So it's already going on in his day. And he gives specific examples. Now, these are only two examples, and there are, there are a lot of others that, that could be uh, uh, probably be uh, you, you could probably think of as, as being applicable here. Uh, but what about these two that he mentions: forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving? Can you think of examples in our day of that going on? Or in the past. I mean, if you want to point to something in the past, or, or uh... the best on Friday fish. yeah, they, they, yeah, they, have loosened up on that somewhat, but they still, still, that influence is there. Willis Knighton, although it's not a Catholic hospital, um, nevertheless, every Friday they got fish on the <laughs> in the in the uh, little cafeteria there. Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they do, they do uh, emphasize some dietary laws. Um. <laughs> what about forbidding to marry? What do you think Paul is talking about there, or or what do you think might be a fulfillment of that? Yeah, Catholic, they do that, don't they? Although they, they, I guess they would say they, they don't. In other words, it's, it's a volunteer thing. Um, you don't have to become a Catholic priest, you know. <laughs> so, so I guess they would say, well, um, you know, we're not forbidding, forbidding it per se. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well the nuns unknowingly confess that they married Christ. Mm hmm. Right right may take right right we've We've got some hints from uh I mean just from history uh, a little bit of what's at play here? There was a group that um they're not, not well defined. It's kind of like today if you said, uh, well, even Baptist. You could say Baptist, but there are myriads of, uh, varieties of Baptists. or you could say Charismatic. There are myriads of varieties of Charismatic, but those, those are like big umbrella, uh, labels. Um, well, there was a group called the Gnostics, just comes from the Greek word to know because they they believed they had some kind of superior knowledge, there was a group that called the Gnosti, came to be called the Gnostics, um, probably like in the third and fourth centuries when they really became strong. But even while the New Testament was being written, there were there were hints of some of this Gnostic teaching, so they were developing, in other words, and part of their deal was that everything material was evil uh now this is probably along the lines of what paul is talking about what what he's condemning um because the gnostics would 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 say that uh spirit you know spiritual things are good physical things material things are evil that includes your own body and so uh some they would do things like forbid marriage um, because they saw all of that, you know, kind of relationship as being evil. Um, well, they actually went to both extremes. Some of them would, uh, you know, uh, f- forbid those kinds of things or forbid uh, fleshly pleasures at all because they looked at them as evil. Some of them would go to the other extreme and say, "Well, you know what? The, the body's evil anyway, so it, it can never be good." So, so they would just go all out and and. Uh, Commit all kinds of ungodliness and, and say, well, you know, my spirit is is good <laughs> and my body's not going to be good anyway. So uh, they would go to that extreme. So it's probably something along those lines or there are there were some that were teaching. We know from Scripture that the resurrection had already occurred. And Jesus said, didn't he, that uh, in the in the resurrection, there won't be any marrying or giving in marriage. So. So. Uh, also, that's a possibility. Could be something along those lines where they're teaching, "Look, the resurrection's already happened, so uh, you Christians don't need to be marrying, and you also need to be uh, watching what you eat, because um, we're going back to the kind of like the pre-fall days. And you go back and read about the Garden of Eden; they were, um, seems to be, they were they were vegetarians before the fall." So. The way was alive, like the shakers, like shakers probably, yeah, yeah. But, thought, kind of exactly right, yeah. And, of course, they're gone. <laughs> they're essentially gone today. Yeah, I mean, Strange, isn't it? <laughs> almost, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, almost. Yep. Strange stuff. Um, but notice, notice Paul's condemnation of it. He says, uh, here, here's what they do. Forbid to marry. Command abstinence from certain foods. Um, but here's the truth. Verse 4, for every creature... Or let me back up a little bit in verse 3. Uh, God created all these things to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So, So Paul is saying, here's the scriptural version. God has given us these foods and you know material things, as a blessing to be received by those who believe and know the truth. For, and he's still on the food thing here, verse 4, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused, if it is received with thanksgiving. Every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused, if it is received with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Probably um, look at look at Mark seven for a moment. We won't really have time to read through all of this, but if if you read Mark seven and read, and Matthew fifteen, uh, where Jesus is rebuked by the Pharisees for eating with unwashed hands, let's go to Mark seven for a minute. I want to look at a little bit of this. Verse 2, now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. That is, the Pharisees found fault with Jesus and his disciples. For, verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. This was a long-held tradition. Now, they're not washing their hands to kill bacteria. Uh, this is a This is a ceremonial thing just just a tradition um, so that they are symbolically cleansed before they eat uh, so they notice jesus and his disciples are not doing this, and they confront him and say, "Why are you transgressing the tradition of the elders um, if you let 's go down a little bit here. Um, What verse do I want to go to? Well, look at verse 5, first of all. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. Notice he calls them hypocrites. And that's the same uh, uh, Terminology Paul was using. These people are deceivers, giving heed to deceiving spirits. They're lying hypocrites. Jesus quotes Isaiah, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus uh, nails them here with a prophecy from Isaiah. And then he um, goes on to explain that they are willing to even... Transgress the commandments of God um, when when their tradition and God's commandment contradict, they'll take the tradition over the commands of God. Now, getting getting back to the eating for a minute, um, look at verse fourteen. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, "Hear me, everyone." And understand, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. I tell you, that is so crystal clear right there. And yet, we, we still do this in our day. You know, we, we still command abstinence from certain things, some things that uh, God created um, to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Listen to the words of Jesus here and, and notice how he addresses the crowd. Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. So it's not the things from outside coming in, it's the things on the inside that actually work their way out. Jesus says those are the things that defile a man. If anyone, verse 16, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Now, no doubt, they're, they're probably a little taken back by that themselves. And uh, they want to understand. In verse 18, Jesus says, So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, well, that should be a period, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. Now, how many of you got a red letter edition here where the words of Jesus are in red? Okay, so do I. Um, that phrase right there. Th- has anybody got a uh, like an ESV or NASV New American Standard? Let me let me hear how that read. Read that verse if you don't mind. Verse nineteen. Okay, they put it in parentheses there. Okay, um, the reason they did that it, is, is yours a red letter? No. Okay, okay. Uh, re- before I even say this, remember this: that the the red is the product of the publisher. Okay, it didn't <laughs> wasn't wasn't in the original text. All right, which I know everybody knows that, but um, sometimes if if we're not careful, we, you know, we we just tend to accept everything the way they've got it here, and they're not always 100% right. Um, I think this is one place they missed it. In, In other words, that last little phrase in the New King James, it says, Thus purifying all foods. That's Mark saying that. The Gospel writer, not Jesus. Mark is commenting there. That's why the NASB puts it in parentheses. So in other words, Jesus says this in verse 19, Because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated... And then Mark says, thus purifying all foods. In other words, Jesus is saying this, making all foods pure now. Everything that God created is to be received, not refused, but to be received with thanksgiving. that wasn't the case under the Old Covenant. So, when in the gospel here, Jesus is bringing something to light here that they weren't getting, and this is the main point I want us to get in in First Timothy four as well. This is what I think Paul is driving at. How, how is a person made righteous? Jesus. That's right. That. Those, put those things together, you can say the the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Our, our righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. We have none of our own. So when Jesus says here, for example, Mark seven fourteen, "Hear me, everyone, and understand." Verse fifteen, "There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him." He's talking about um, being defiled in the sense that you are unclean and you know in a spiritual sense. In other words, we we could use the word holy. You're you're made holy or unholy by what you do. So you you if you don't wash your hands, then you're un you're unclean. You're defiled. And Jesus says, No, it's got nothing to do with it. Nothing that comes in your body from outside can defile you. It's, it's what's already in there that defiles you. Let's, let's read that and then I'll finish up here. Um, verse 20. And he said, What comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, All these evil things come from within and defile a man. You see what Jesus is saying? It's not and what Paul is saying. It's not what you eat. It's what's... What's Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. I mean, Jesus is so, so crystal clear here. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him you know he's not just saying food there nothing nothing that enters from outside can defile you what defiles us because there's no sin sometimes my background's like a like a probably like a curse rather than <laughs> but that reminds me of another country song T.G. Shepherd had a song called there's a devil in the Bottle. well that sounds good doesn't it but there's no truth to it. There's no truth to it. There's no devil in, in the bottle. There's no liquor. and It's like this pew. It's, it's an inanimate, uh, morally neutral thing. It's not good. It's not evil. It's only good in the sense that all of God's creation is good, but, but it's not morally good. I mean, it doesn't do good. And it's not evil. It doesn't do evil. It's it's what's in here. What corrupts is what's in here. Now, if 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 somebody a, a hammer is not a not a, a a hammer is morally neutral. But you know what? If somebody picks up a hammer and beats you over the head with it until they kill you, okay, it got used as a weapon. But I mean, who was really evil there? The hammer or the the person? The person. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> well, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. And and I think it's it's important because again, these are things that in our day we want to identify as unclean. And and you really 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 got to watch those kinds of doctors. Now, if, to to be a non-drinker, that's that's a great thing. We all we all know. Um, that uh, people can overdo it and, and wind up in big trouble. But um, to teach something, and you know, if you want to encourage your kids, don't drink and all that's good, good. But to teach something as truth that the Bible doesn't teach is, is walking on shaky ground, dangerous ground. And I think that's why Paul, again, getting back to the food, why Paul calls it doctrines of demons. Very strong language, isn't it? I and mean, why doesn't he just say, you know, They're mistaken when they tell you to abstain from certain foods. No, he says these, they're giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Why? Because they're looking for a way to be righteous or holy apart from Christ. So if I stay away from that, now maybe it's, maybe it's pork. If I stay away from that, I'm more acceptable in the sight of God. If I don't touch alcohol, I'm more acceptable in the sight of God. That's what Paul is warning against. That's what Jesus is warning against. Because you're looking to something else for righteousness instead of Christ. The real defilement is in our hearts. It's not in any object or any food or drink. And the real righteousness is in Christ. It's not in some food or drink or something we do, and it's not in our heart. It's in Christ. And the only way for us to be righteous before God is through faith in Christ. Nothing from outside a man entering his body can defile him. For every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Um, for it is sanctified by the Word. Notice that language there. It's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. That is the food he's talking about. It's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. Same way, uh, it sounds similar, doesn't it? Because we were just talking about Sunday, how we're sanctified by the Word of God. And then, and then Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 6, If you instruct the brethren in these things... You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith. Of faith, rather than fables, rather than doctrines of demons, rather than um, the lies that the deceiving spirits offer. He's saying, if you stick with the truth that I'm giving you, Paul's saying, if you stick with the truth that I'm giving you, the truth that we got from our Lord... then you'll be nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And then he even goes on to say, Reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Don't look for righteousness anywhere but in Christ. In Christ. In Christ alone. Um, and I was going to go there tonight, but we don't have time. But uh, read, for example, Romans 14. The whole chapter. Romans 14. Where Paul is dealing with this issues, very of uh, uh, food and drink and so forth, and it's uh, pertinent to what we're talking about here, but we don't have time to go there. All right, let's let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dismiss. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana.